welcome to the Route 77 podcast. Today, we're unpacking the rich tapestry of femininity, an attribute that extends far beyond what meets the eye. In a world obsessed with appearances and labels, we aim to dive beneath the surface, exploring the inherent values that define womanhood. From the resilience of character to the intricacies of entrepreneurship, join us as we celebrate and understand what it truly means to be a woman, both in her solitude and in community. Let's get started. Welcome to the Route 77 podcast. I am Natasha, your host, and I'm here with Monique. Hello. And David. Hello. And we want to talk about all things girly today. No, just kidding. So David's awkward already. Um, And so are you, (laughs) Miss Tomboy. I'm probably the only girly girl here. So we want to take time this podcast and next podcast to talk about femininity and what that looks like from a Christian perspective. If someone asked you, Monique, how do you feel on a scale of one to 10 for femininity? How do I feel? Yes. How, how feminine? Would, yeah. On a femininity scale, where would you be? Zero being like not feminine at all and 10 being like the most feminine you could ever possibly be? Five. Five. <laughs> what about you, David? How does your femininity scale work? It's five. Mine is five. And it's five. And inside of you, yes. And I would say, and based on saying how feminine do I feel, probably like a two or a three. That's maybe pushing it. But I think that more comes from a societal view of feminine femininity. I can't even say the word. Yeah. And that's where a lot of issues pop up, especially when it comes to gender fluidity is that people feel like they're more feminine or more masculine instead of the fact that they are feminine and they are masculine Mm -hmm. and society and culture has actually narrowed those definitions so much and i'd like to push and be like if you are a woman or a girl or a female or whatever you want to say xx right X. Yeah, XY is male. Yeah. X, so if X you're is XX chromosomes, then you are feminine. And it doesn't have to be like pink, frilly things, a tiny little dog under your arm and fashion statements. I don't know. Am I going Paris Hilton on that? I'd like to just say as a person who knows that she's a woman, has no issues either or has no today, I feel like, and today. As a woman, I don't wake up in the morning going, today I feel feminine. And the next day, today, I don't feel fe- I just am. Your feelings will lie to you all the time. And if I want to feel more feminine, I'm dressed up and I'll do the makeup and the wear the girly dresses and whatnot. But most of the time, I just wear normal clothes. I don't go any we, extra mild. To, and I, do we define those terms feminist and feminine or bit or what feminine means yeah i think we should clarify or you guys should clarify what you mean by those two terms because i think the definition is going to differ depending on the generation slightly you mean for so i think it's very important that we define exactly what we mean by oh i'm a i got feminine traits or i got or that i'm a feminist cuz cuz it it differs yeah and what i people think- Probably not going to deal with the feminism. No. At this, because that's like a different topic. No. I think it's the fact that your femininity, 
you know how like they talk about toxic masculinity Ugh. and then there's to be feminine and not it's not less to do with a, an ideology of feminism but like femininity would be as according to this oxford dictionary says qualities or attributes regarded as characteristic of women or girls when we talk about that we again society and culture brings up what it means to be a woman and i think that definition is far too narrow yeah because i've met men who were men they were not gay they were not trans but they were more feminine feminine yeah yeah but they liked girls and yeah i know one who was but that's what i like with saying there's we've in the culture and society and even somewhat within church we've made this slice of pie on a pie chart of what it means to be a woman or feminine to be so narrow mm-hmm. like you have to fit these specific definitions or then therefore you're not or then you are not feminine but as like a woman you naturally are feminine that's the nature of it you are a feminine you can we like to say where they present masculine is some of the things that they, they say now and what essentially it is that you're more tomboyish you wear your hair like a man you wear your clothes like a man they they call it presenting masculine and instead just say that's a woman and they're feminine because therefore like they are a woman that equals feminine and but the spectrum of feminine is a lot broader than like that if you want a spectrum when it comes to gender (laughs) that is more what it is there's a spectrum of what a woman is and femininity is and there's a spectrum of what a man is and what masculinity is (laughs) and instead of narrowly defining it as like I said, like pink bows, a little poodle in a designer Gucci bag or something, walking down the street in heels, seven inch heels or something like that's how you, if you actually try to create a stereotype of femininity, I think that's what your brain goes to. Oh, mine goes through. But we do ourselves a disservice because we label this or we put people in such narrow confines of what it means to be that. And especially in the church then, because then you're like, you really got to fit into this or you're like an outlier and to be an outlier in the church is like such a negative thing nowadays because mm. you're because we're always fighting this ideology of culture around us when it comes to gender fluidity so but for me i am feminine because i'm a woman mm-hmm. but how i present that outwardly differs from how you present mm-hmm. yourself outwardly and david doesn't present this at all because no. he's a man yeah. And it's just, it just seems to be, yeah, it, it, the definitions have become so narrow. And if I were to present as I did growing up today, then there would have been, a, and, and I was in like a secular school where, or my parents weren't Christians without influence. There may have been a big push for me to start becoming or trying to become a transgender mm-hmm. male. And because I was a tomboy, sports, short hair, animals, I don't know, farm kid. And yet, hates dresses, hates makeup. I'll do the makeup if, it, if I need to, like when I got the spots going on, the hormonal spots. But, and like once a year when I go to a Christmas party, that's formal, but that's pretty much the limit. And it's not anything outlandish. The closest things that people could label as feminine so to speak towards my presentation in the culture would be the fact that I like flowery things like tattoos flowery tattoos and glittery things so glittery nail polish or something 
that's the closest flower, quote unquote, feminine things. If you went by stereotype. And your grandmother's China. And my grandmother's China. I like my grandmother's China. It's cute. Gotta keep that going. But anything else is, whereas like for me, I would, I, I, oh, I love that dress. I wish I could wear that dress. We do not have the body for that dress. We once upon a time had the body for that dress. That body is long gone. But I, and even sometimes wanting to wear the makeup, but I find now because I haven't worn makeup for so long because of Taekwondo, that things like mascara irritate my eyes now. So I find that I'm just better off just, I just don't really bother with makeup that much anymore. I found that makeup would make me break out even if I washed thoroughly afterward. So I definitely, I did not wear it growing up. Yeah. Although I went through a phase where I think every, not every, but many girls go through, I had those little teeny weeny, was it like Mary Kay or whatever they were? Avon. Avon. Avon makeup samples. Yes, they're teeny tiny little lipsticks. lipsticks. And I think I had some eyeshadow that my mom gave. My mom never wore makeup for all that much. She did sometimes, but she never kept me from trying it out. I went through a little phase of playing around with that and then I went out of it and that was it. Yeah. And mine lasted for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mine's. And I definitely, when I left my ex and he was all about feminine attire, I got rid of so many things in my closet that were not me, including many dresses. I kept a couple in case I happened to need them, but I do have dress pants, which are nice and okay. more yeah. dressy shirts that I prefer if I can get away with that. But those are all outward. Yeah. And that examples. seems to be how society functions. It's yeah. like how you, what they call present. Your outward is actually representing your inward desires. Instead of it just being, this is how I prefer. It's just an expression of your own well, personality. There's so much about that. You be you, do what's good for you, what you're comfortable with. And yet when you do that, it's like you start getting labeled. So then the other side of that coin is how God sees you. And God created us male and female, man and woman. And I'm not denying that there are people who suffer from gender dysphoria. <laughs> and that's a different topic. <laughs> this is for people who don't. <laughs> the larger population. And we should stop trying to just put people in boxes, allow this fluidity within the gender in the sense that people present femininity and masculinity differently. (laughs) Stop trying to label what that is. You like sports and play with cars, so you really must be a boy. Oh, you like pink and flowery things and, you know, decorating. You must be a girl. Or gay or lesbian. Right. Like they try to label, they try to make it stop fit. labeling people. Yeah, they try to make it fit their these small definitions within their own minds. And I thought too, one would be interesting to actually look into the scriptures and look at Proverbs thirty-one specifically because it's dealing with a woman and is generally used as an example of what a good wife would be would look like, and instead. I'd like to talk about it in a of femininity and being what a good what good godly woman can look like, irregardless of your like your relationship status. You can be single, you can be married, you could be you could have children, you could not have children. There's so many things, but it actually ha- presents like a really good blueprint for what a godly woman can look like, and not just a godly wife. So is this where we're going to start picking it apart? Yes. Let me see. So it starts pretty much at Proverbs 31.10. Yeah. Which is a wife of noble character who can find it. 
Holy changed wife to woman. So a woman of noble character who can find she's worth far more than rubies. Yeah. So this one would, would be about character and virtue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so a woman is not her character and her virtue is not determined by marital status. Whether a woman is married or not married does not speak to her character or her virtue. Although there's this tendency to be like, if you're not married, then what are you doing? Or there's this assumption that there must be something going on somewhere. So what is a noble character? Good question. David, what is your thoughts on that? A noble character? I would have to say the most noblest character that I can possibly think of be Jesus. We all know that. But what does it mean? But out of the... Out of the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I would have to look at the life of Jesus and, and see how his how he applied all his... We can look at his, Galatians, when he talks yeah. about fruit of the Spirit. So there's yep. love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I like, too, how he makes a progress of it, where he says, to every effort, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're always building your faith, essentially, that a person of noble character, whether woman or man, is one who is dedicated to building their faith in Christ and it's they're taking it and they have their faith but then they also add their goodness to their faith and that's not good works but that's an outpouring of the love that Christ has shown them that they show to others so building themselves up and also building up other people yeah and doing good to those yeah. around them admirable qualities qualities that people would admire and also and I think too Add to goodness knowledge. Like, how many people do we... Okay, I like to give this example. Think about your most favorite thing or something that you've really enjoyed and, like, how much you know about it. Like, I've said this before, like, when we've been watching Stargate and this and Monique, first time watching it, like, the amount of information I have that's outside of this show, like, the specific show, like, like commentaries and fun facts and things is ridiculous because I really enjoyed it. So I found out all I could about it. And again, like when I was doing Taekwondo and I was trying to do get to my black belt and do all this stuff to get to it. That's one reason I started taking the apologetics course was because here I am putting so much effort and work into learning about this martial art, which ultimately will not transcend here, the earth. But why am I not putting that same amount of effort into my faith? Mm. So you're not just living this sort of like initial faith that you accepted Christ and you're just moseying along you're actually dedicated to trying to gain knowledge of your faith and of God and of Christ and then also then showing love to those around you and the fact that they're I think too when you're noble you be considered you're honest and you're looking out for the welfare of others not just for yourself so what kind of knowledge would pertain to to what you're discussing here, what kind of knowledge should people then seek in regards to what you, we are discussing? I think in the biblical context. Yeah, I think one, just getting to know your Bible is like a good first step. So reading it, trying to find out, con- talk to people, find 
books or anything that help you understand things you don't understand. And yeah, developing your faith from that perspective, like knowing God more will help you to know like how you should act to those around you. And like you said, Christ was the most noble character and to understand fully how and why he did what he did can basically help you in your own faith to know what to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question, David? It's more like that was more of a broader statement, a more generalized statement in which this is what we can look at. We already know that we can look at the Bible, but I was more hoping for like maybe specific verses or, or a source in where, oh, we can look at this portion of Jesus' life and relate it to this. And how can we take that knowledge and then apply it to what you've been discussing in the context of the of single women? How would that influence the views and maybe definitions of, of feminist and feminism? Oh, of like femininity, how to be... Yeah, what does that look like in the in the through the eyes of Jesus? Now, this is a complicated question because you have to also consider you also have to separate the culture in where Jesus grew up and where the apostles lived and or where they visited and take what Jesus um did and his characteristics of of being a noble person and somehow apply that to women now it's going to be a bit difficult and i'm not sure how you guys would approach this that's why i I asked this question like what kind of knowledge do we need to look at that would relate between jesus being a man and moving towards a woman woman and normally i would okay normally i've expected you to refer to maybe some of the jesus's jesus's women follower followers who were women yeah i was just thinking when you're saying that like with mary and martha and how Mary, I think it was Mary who was the one that sat with Jesus. And Martha was, and in, Martha the was in the kitchen. And Mary put the, like, the desire to learn from Jesus above, above the common expectation of the day. And what Jesus said what she chose was the better. Yeah. And it's not specifically meaning like, don't go in the kitchen. But I, I think what they're saying is like, the common expectation of society is one thing. Mm-hmm. But when you put that to the side for a better thing, like learning about Christ and learning from him or from the apostles, I think a lot of stuff that Paul says is like when you look at even when Paul is talks to, to in his letters and he starts referring to ladies in the congregation, this lady did this and this lady did that and gave her home. And, and when he talks about, I think, Timothy's mother and grandmother and mm-hmm. how like the way that they they raised him in faith and their faith was strong. So I think when it comes to, as a single woman, trying to build their noble character, it has a lot to do with sitting at the feet of Christ and the feet of the Bible. And yeah, like we can talk about the specific women, but every person's different too. And how they're going to like, what, what will speak to them within scripture and what God has called on their lives may look different from one to the other, but definitely just submersing yourself in the Bible as a whole. Yeah, okay. So what are some of the, if you can think of passages out of the top of your head that might represent that in a sense, because I'm curious. He's enjoying this. Next week, we'll have to do it. <laughs> we just read in Timothy, in First Timothy, last night. Uh, a couple nights ago, because we started Second Timothy. Uh, it's interesting, um, because a lot of people say that the Bible is very, patriarchal 
But if you look at the amount of times women are mentioned, where there are actual books that are all about women, like Esther and Ruth, the number of times that Paul mentions women and giving, and even Christ himself, most of the most of his ministry was to women. The woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, the lady who came and poured out her love on his feet with perfume perfume over his head, where he talks about with Mary and Martha, there are so many instances where women are mentioned. To pull them apart, we'd be here all night talking about, oh, and then there was this woman, and then there was that woman, and don't forget that woman. But I think, too, like you said, that this there's this idea that Christianity is patriarchal and there's no place for a woman. Lies. And yet, sorry, right? It is lies because it's actually the most gracious place to be a woman. It should be the most gracious place to be a woman. And like the amount of love that Christ like expressed. Even on the cross when he was dying, he gave his mother to John to take care of. He never disregarded her and he never let her, he never forsook her. Yeah. Yeah, So it's, I think too, yeah, as a woman, you could go through and just learn about Especially, I think there's a more of a knowledge of the women in the Old Testament than there is of the women in the New Testament, aside from Mary and maybe Elizabeth. But then you might go, Mary and Martha. And then it's just, yeah, the one story they would probably think about would be that one. Yeah. And not even about Lazarus coming back from the dead and all that. But actually, if you go through and you start to see that these women weren't all married and that they, because they even talk about Dorcas and the fact that she was doing so much for the church. There was just so many that they were giving their houses to to have house churches. They were feeding the poor. They were they're just doing again femininity. There is something to be said about gender roles in a sense that God designed within us. And I think caring, like nurturing, caring, is one that God has given women a special abundance of. And again, not that men cannot, but it's just different. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the roles that you see them taking is like actually that nurturing care for those who need it. Like those the that are the downtrodden, that are the ones that are suffering the weaker uh, in society and taking them and lifting them up. Mm-hmm. So I think as a single woman, you can't say, I'm not married. I can't do that. So it's just. We did that when we were not to throw Korea out there again. <laughs> but we took David under our wing. Right, David? We nurturing you. Yep. Called, called you our little brother. And I, mean, we I came suppose three months that ago. it was definitely you guys who, I, I would say if it wasn't for you guys, I'd probably stray a bit from my faith. So the Hopefully. intersection was definitely planned by God. That still yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that leads us into that trustworthiness. I was just going to mention the Dorcas one, which is interesting because at the end, she's met, you met, made her an axe. And by the time Peter reaches her, like actually she had been doing such an amazing service but had passed away and god chose to allow peter to resurrect her through his power to because of the amount of help and ministry that she was doing in that church so this says that this could you imagine like you're you're such an important part of a church that god's nope you're not leaving yet you're needed still he did that with amber yeah because the whole church was like, no, she can't go yet. 
<laughs> even though they don't know her influence. And her influence is quiet. And but somehow, and it's funny because even complete strangers who meet her are captivated by her. And she doesn't say much. No. She just smiles. Smiles. She's a good girl. So, yeah. So, yeah, we can lead into the next, which is trustworthiness. Trustworthiness. Yeah. This is such an important thing because one of the things that breaks down relationships is trust. Once trust is gone, it's hard to get that back in a relationship. Yeah. And trustworthiness doesn't just mean a forever to happen to hold forever until death do us part. Right. And we're not going to stray on each other. And like, no. no, there's way more trustworthiness that that has to do with, doesn't have to do with specifically the marriage, man or, man or woman even. <laughs> yep. But I will never cheat on you. And that's just only such a minute little tiny piece that's in a romantic relationship. So if we put that aside out of a romantic, it doesn't even count. There's so, so much more. So like, for us, our trustworthiness is in that we both contribute to the house to pay for the mortgage, to pay for the bills. This is, and for the first six months, it was like, I hope she does. <laughs> and I'm sure we were both thinking that of each other because we are having to rely on each other to make this work. And we're going off of past experiences, <clears throat> going, they seem to be like responsible people. <laughs> trustworthiness yep. is and yep. that's part of it i think <clears throat> i think trustworthiness looks the same and no matter who it is if you are a person who is if you're confiding if i'm confiding into you something that cannot be shared around whether you're male or female if you turn around and you go tell somebody else your trustworthiness slacks mm -hmm. if i if i charge you with taking something of value and caring for it to give somewhere else or to bring somewhere else, but you keep it for yourself, whether you're male or female, your trustworthiness is lacking. So and there's more than one area of truth. Life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you speak the truth and the truth comes in and it's proven true, then your trustworthiness is like I found when, when being married to my ex, who was, who was not trustworthy and what he said. It almost like he would he would tell the truth, but not really. He would it would always twist, yeah. and then it would become a truth to him. It's weird. Anyway, that's a whole other he would conversation. He, he would use enough truth in the lie to make it believable, but then he himself would actually eventually believe it to be true. This kind of narcissistic <laughs> ability they have. But what I found is that because I was around him saying these things, like I would almost be like excessively truthful, in the sense that. Like, not that I wasn't being truthful, but I would make sure that every single thing I said, if, if I generalized something, I'd be like, okay, wait, like I came home around like in the morning. I'm like, wait, it was like around, it was around 9.30 a.m. Like I have to like specifically, or it might be like 11.30, but I'm like, was it was morning. It was morning. It was 11.30, but, my th but people might think it was like noon. So if people would possibly think that, or there was possibly any sort of fact that I left out that might come into play later <laughs> that I didn't want people to think I was being untruth like untruth being not anything but truthful mm -hmm. and so it almost became excessive to where I was like qualifying everything that didn't need to be qualified but it's important and women more than men can be easily swayed into gossip and this is where you have to check your own self and ask is what you're saying truthful 
is it lovely? Is it, you know, um, but we have a really hard time with that. And I saw that like my mother, bless her heart. She is not a believer, but she was sharing with me about somebody that she worked with. And, and just the way she was talking, granted, this woman was narcissistic to the nth degree. Not her mom. Not my mom. No, the person she worked with. Even to the point where she stole from a friend. Very poor, very bad. But mom was telling me all about it and going on about it. And I get that she, she just wanted to, just conversation kind of thing. But we do that. We do that. And whether it's somebody we know or and not. Sometimes we want to one up. Yeah. They're like scandalous truth. So it becomes like a or Yeah, I know. I had the same thing happen with and sometimes I have to try to decide whether it's like a storytelling gossip or you're actually just referring to an anecdote. So sometimes when I'm doing that, I'll make sure I'm not saying any names because mm -hmm. I'm actually just saying, well, when I was on this farm, I had this thing happen. It's not because I want to like gossip about the farmer. It was just an anecdote of something that happened is an experience in yeah. my life that I wanted to talk about. I probably could have one up, Mom, but it wasn't my own personal experience. It was just one that I heard of. Mm -hmm. So I, and I realized right away that it was not something that needed to be shared and was not good for the conversation anyways. So I just let it go. But whether it's somebody we know or not, is that something we should be talking about anyways? Regardless. I mean, it was something that happened many years ago. It was a long time in her past. I don't know if she's ever, I think she's run into her, like, Costco and stuff. And she's like, I give her the evil eye. And I'm like, oh, well, you're so cute. But yeah, like, being trustworthy is definitely yep. up there as a personal characteristic you should. And again, Christ was trustworthy. How do we do this? Like, we, it has to be, we're, not has to be, but actions and words. But a lot of words, like, what you say, you do. That's a big one. If you say something and you don't do it, even if it's, like, you should act this way. And then you act the complete opposite. Like your people don't trust you. Yeah. And we test our own trustworthiness on our own selves. We don't, we lie to ourselves. We are our worst liars. We will say things to ourselves. Today, I'm going to do this. And we don't do it. Mm -hmm. And then the next day we say, today, I'm going to. Definitely yep. going to 100%, not eat McDonald's. And that's what happened half more later. There is, <laughs> there is a meme that says, darn it. I didn't go to the gym again today. That's like the third day in, a, in seven years. Yeah, it's like a three and a So you've been, apparently you've been saying it for seven years that I was going to go to the gym today and you still haven't gone. You might want to stop lying to yourself that you're actually going to go. Yeah. What so, do you think about this topic, tr trustworthiness, David? Yeah, I'm just, I'm listening. I'm trying to really, I guess more, I want to, I was more interested. But some of this could even, I know we're going it to. Can, it can, yeah, a lot of this can be applied to, to the opposite end of this conversation yeah. too but at the same time i don't want to because you guys are gonna you're gonna bombard me with questions next week <laughs> we're gonna be going no, we're also i guess how would this how would this look like within the church community yes that was my like next thought was how would trustworthiness within church communities look like with i guess definitely the gossip thing because uh -huh. that can be it can be rampant in the church as much as it can be anywhere else yeah yeah and so basically yeah how you converse with people will and we'll see how you because that's the other thing. If you talk about somebody else, somebody behind their back, to say I was saying something to you, then you're going to assume, probably rightly, that I'm going to talk about you behind your back. Yeah. So there's not like a, it's a very simple, logical conclusion to come to. Yeah. yeah. And also, I don't think I can trust you with my secrets because you just told me that person's secret and they just told you that. 
Yeah. And the thing is, too, if you're not following, if you're living a lie and living sin, and I don't mean like we all sin every day, there's piles of sin, but I'm talking about like that, that like purposeful, continuous sin of whatever it is, Uh then you're not living like you're not like we talked about, we, we, we just talked about this before the podcast, how you're a reflection of Christ. So if your reflection to people is you say one thing on Sunday and you do another thing on Monday, uh-huh. like then that reflection of Christ will be distorted because they're not going to see a trustworthiness in your actions. Your actions and your deeds are two different things. Yep. Your, in your words are two different things. It even goes even people out on the street. Satan knows the Bible very well. People out on the street surprisingly know a lot more about, about the Bible than we think. And one of their biggest ones is to judge not. Yeah. When we as Christians, we go out and we start slamming our platforms against their heads. That's, There's a whole other. We're trying, we're trying to make them live a way that they are not called to live. Yeah. But I'm that's another that. actions and words. They don't trust us. So... When, if we want to present ourselves as trustworthy to the world, we need to change how we treat them as well. Yeah. And remember, this is all based off of Proverbs 31 of developing what a woman or an, a woman who fears the Lord is like the woman who fears the Lord is what it's actually called in, in this version that I have on my phone. The ESV is what it, and just that, yeah, she's specifically a wife in here, but that she didn't just start all this the moment she became a wife. Like this would have been her character before leading up to it. Yeah. So like even when it comes to um, her work ethic, like perceives that her, uh, where, you know, yeah. So it's just like she considers the fields and buys it with the fruit of her hand. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with the strength that makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands to hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So she's she's just, she's a busy lady. And again, this doesn't start the day that she said, I do. This is something she would have developed early in life. So she's, and again, there's not, I know that, I know that there's a, the idea of functioning with a little too much work in my life, which is exhausting, but it doesn't mean, I don't think it means exhausting yourself to the point of working so much that you never yeah. take time off or you have downtime or anything. Yeah. But it's what is she filling her day with? Yep. As a mother, and after what I've gone through in the last few weeks with my daughter, and still am to this day because of the lack of support, between the care home, between Marlena and the care home, and myself, the two of us, are we're, we're having to deal with this every day. Sleep? 36 hours, no sleep, 24 hours, no sleep. We end up having to do what we need to do because Amber needs us and we can't slack off. And that is the perception that can't do it all the time. What they say here, she gets up while it is still night. She provides food for our family and portions for her female servants. Like she's still dark out and she's up, but she does and she works all day long and doesn't, you can't sustain that. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> but by the way, what is she filling her day up with? And for me, yeah, I'm in the same position with my work. We're, we're short staff, so we're working like 10, or like tomorrow will be nine, 10 days straight. And it's just because it's needed. It's needed. But at the same time, like 
when I go down to one job in, in January, like I'll have technically more time, but what am I going to fill that time with? Right. So I need to be careful that what I'm filling that time with is worthwhile. Right. Again, there's nothing wrong with having some downtime, playing some video games or whatever. But if you start doing that, on doing that, if that's basis. what you're filling your time with. If you're getting up before it's light and going to bed after it's dark because you're playing video games, for me, that would be something I'd be tempted to do. I try not to. I try. Don't do it. <laughs> One reason I choose not to play multiplayer games, so I, I can just turn it off. If I can't get at it for a few days, that's fine. A week, it's okay. A month even, that's what happens. But for me, I've had to create that those kind of rules to myself. I'm yes. not playing multi, massive multiplayer online because I know I will get caught up in it and I don't want to. So those are the things like as a woman, irregardless of marital status, but more importantly, when you're single and you theoretically have more time, because especially if you're a young person, like you don't, you aren't dating or whatever, and you technically you're not in a full-time job yet, you have more time. So what are you filling that time with? What kind of work ethic are you developing in, in your life? And that's why I'm saying God's calling us to something in our singleness. It's not just, oh, look at all the extra time I have. I don't have to spend with a family or my husband or my kids or whatever. It's actually, what are you filling that time with? And how are you using it for your faith and for what God's calling you to do? So that's for me. And again, there's the stereotype of the women watching the soap operas. Yes. And yeah, that may be a, there's a certain point of some stereotypes are based on a cruel truth. But the thing is, it's not the soap operas. It's that idleness essentially what are you filling it in with stuff that really doesn't matter they get it. S small amounts of some of these things are not bad do they still have those soap operas oh yeah i think there's like four of them still on yeah because last one was back i remember when i was in high school and there was always two or whatever that you would watch and i and i remember getting quite caught up in one of them and uh, as days of our lives and i remember thinking after a while, I was just like, why am I watching this? It's the same story played on in different ways over and over again ad nauseum. Yeah. And I quit. <laughs> That's like theoretically the same thing you could say about Hallmark movies. Oh, as much God. as they're cute, as you like to say they're cute or whatever. I can't, I can't even anymore. I'm sorry, Hallmark, but like 132 Hallmark movies that are pretty much the same thing, I'm done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, small town girl breaks up with evil boyfriend or whatever, goes back home to where she grew up and meets Mr. Perfect, who was her best friend growing up. Yeah. And yeah. everything's good for Christmas. Wow. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Again, Wonder things nowadays make things even <laughs> easier to get sucked into this stuff because of like on demand. Yes. And streaming and all this type of stuff makes it so much easier. I eventually there's going to get to a point where there will be a Hallmark movie for every single day of the year. Yeah. We're just going to count down to Christmas. Yeah. It'll be 365, 365. And there'll be people that do it. And I'll just be like. I know. And I know a few who will. And there won't be repeated. No. Be a new one. No. But they'll all be the same story. Yeah. There was an author I was reading and she'd had this. And I'd read it going, oh, yeah. I picked up I think I did that too. Didn't I just read this? Story? I did that with one too. And I'm going, there's like the same thing. It's like a mystery, but it's like a romantic kind of weird mystery. But it would be like, always be like some sort of a disabled person in there. And the same thing would happen with that same person. They'd have the same storyline. And eventually I'd be like, eh, it's reading the same story over and over again. Yep. Tired. Done. Wait a few months. <laughs>
Yeah. So let's move on to generosity and compassion. The woman in Proverbs 31 is known for helping the poor and just making sure she says, let me find it. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. And it's just how many times we like, yeah, there's the obvious ways we'll work at a homeless shelter or food soup kitchen or something like that. But actually, when you actually look at it, yes, those are definitely 100% good things to go to if that's where you feel like you're calling. But I think, too, it's also not just helping the poor and the needy in like monetarily poor and needy, but there's those who are that society, like they're left out and they need people's help. And it may not just necessarily be those who are financially poor or on some sort of drugs or something, which definitely need help. And there's people who are called into that side of things, but there can be those who are like need help in other ways, like mental health or maybe people who are left and they're just ostracized by society. There are so many different societies out there, different ministries out there that you can try and check out if you're interested in seeing how you can help those who are yeah or there's m2 which is man to man woman to woman and they are a prison ministry so they they, you don't get girls going to guys prison you don't get guys going so they and they there's you're specifically and you go in the last time i did it we went in groups and it was like when i went with with the girls we went to colony farm which is for those who are mentally unstable they had also criminal and the criminal element that went with it. But my friend Judy, which who did beadwork and she did a lot of native beadwork. Her husband is Métis. So she taught them how to make jewelry and do other kind of projects doing beadwork. So there, there's that. There are homeless shelters. Our church has one over the winter, the extreme weather okay. shelter. Yeah. They are, they, they need There's them. like so many ways you can help to the, yes, you can give financially, which people are called to do. Yes. There's, you can give time. You can give skills. Yes. You can give of, of product like food or other things that your company or you can create. No. There's so many ways. Like when people go and they think about you, are they thinking that you're generous? And that doesn't just mean like you, they see you give to the offering plate every week or whatever. It's just like you're generous with your attention yeah. and you're like, cause you like, when you care about something, you're going to spend time with it. Yeah. And if you're just like at a soup kitchen helping, but you're like, blah, 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 blah. Like you're not actually there. You're just doing it cause you think you need to be doing it. Like you could actually be into the moment and actually seeing the people. And then, so when people think about you or when you think that when think of people the odd time that people do think about you if they said if you said your name and the word generous nearby what would they if they said both of those words in a sentence what would that look like you're bringing to mind something that happened let's say summer something like that because we have the extreme weather shelter and we have this lady jenny who is like the i think she's stepping down i think that was her retirement speech or something like that i can't remember anyways she broke down in tears when she talked about the people that come to the extreme weather shelter and the relationships that she had built with them. 
She was, she loved them so much that when she talked about them, she cried. This is the kind of heart you need to have if you're going to go out and serve in the community and to help regardless of which area you want with. Maybe you want to go visit the elderly people because there's nobody just, to visit them. I remember we were talking about this woman in Proverbs 31. Yes. She did not just start all this stuff. No. The day she became a wife. This is a something that would have been a part of her character. So she before. would have been most likely known about, uh, for these things yep. before, which yep. is one reason that she that this man would have, may have chosen her to be a, a wife right. because she has shown all these things right. as a single person. Right. And again, we're not doing this to find a marriage partner. May result in finding a marriage partner because they are basically proves a woman of good character. Like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> but why it's not the that? purpose. No. The no. purpose is not that. You're... you're purpose is you know and, and this is what this is one of this is one of my one of my heart cries is that when i come to the end of my life and i stand before god at the end of all things and he says to me well done good and faithful servant and that just that breaks my heart because that is what i want to be i want to have him say that to me they had a character say that to Mr. Whitaker, like a, a character who's supposed to be an angel, on say it to Mr. Whitaker on Adventures of Odyssey, and like I like cry every time. I cry every time because I know he's a fictional character, but if he, if a person of that character deserves to hear that, yep. and and I want to be that kind of character, that and, and not because I'm doing it for any accolades. I don't care if people see my good deeds or not because that's neither here nor there. It's God's heart. And you're not doing it for God to see your deeds in a sense of, look what I can do. It's, no. It's, it's actually an outflow of God from you to the other people. Yeah. So you're flowing out. You're not like trying to gather in. Exactly. I want to give so much of myself. And, that, and I see that how I do with Amber. And even when I'm exhausted and I feel like I've got nothing left to give. I find something somewhere. So I says she needs me more, and I will rest later. You did you have a comment, David? Yeah. So you guys emphasized a lot around any character of a person when it comes to all this information, or when when it comes to being generous and compassionate. But I think I feel like the character is half of it because, for example, when Monique or you or people have children. Character is a part of it, but there needs to be a way for the, the parent or for people who are taking responsibility for young children to be able to cultivate the compassion and generosity that we wish to see. How, what would that look like? How would you go about cultivating young women or ch young girl, young children? How would you go about cultivating that within with using the life of Jesus? That, that's actually a really good question. And this is where we would charge the older women teaching the younger ones, to teach yeah. the younger ones. Which yeah. is what it says in scripture. And I think, too, number one will be your actions. Yes. Your actions will always be what people are watching, even kids and young people especially. Yeah. They see everything. But yeah, that's a passive thing. But like to actively cultivate presenting op opportunities. That's why I think sometimes we don't just leave young people's or youth groups to figure out their own events or things they're going to do like they might have some input but usually there's leadership that guides it yeah so there'll be times when they bring a youth group to a soup kitchen or they'll bring a youth group to something 
where they can show they help paint a barn or yeah mission trips something like mission trips down to so it actually you're actually so having being a leader in your call to do encouraging those who are going encouragement is a big one yeah it just depends on how the opportunity comes up within the church i think is definitely providing the opportunities and giving an example (laughs) and then yeah you're teaching of christ Christ, his entire sacrifice was generous generosity and compassion but just like how he dealt with the women around him or the children that were around him like it was always with gentleness compassion it's yeah Yeah. and we who are older who have being around for who have gone through these things, who have gone through these groups, who have maybe you're married and you're a widow, or maybe you're a married woman who has who is unable to have children, or you're just an you're just an older, you don't know you don't have to be even that old, even thirties, whatever. But there was one time when I was asked to be a camp counselor for a group of kids. They had nobody. I was eight. They were 15. I wasn't that much older, but I did have, but you will be surprised at the age difference between a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old is quite large. And there was one night when we were, and we all had a cabin with a little pot belly stove in the middle. And in the middle of the night, a thunderstorm rolled in and we were in a valley. Oh my word. That thunderstorm was so loud it sounded like it was hitting the ground and the girls were screaming and hanging on to each other and I'm not afraid of lightning so I got up I put a fire in the pot belly stove I got some water and I made everybody a cup of hot chocolate those girls loved me to pieces and I showed them through calm and compassionate caring that we were okay and I gave them that sense of feeling safe. I was 18. You don't have to be very old to be able to be an influence on a younger generation. Everybody wants to be an influencer, yet we are all influencers. We all are. And that's the thing. Those around us or those younger than us always, like we have that with the young ladies who do this leadership at Taekwondo. Yep. So what you do is you present the qualities of the person that you want to Yep. Be and then you also have conversations if they have questions and then because there's always again depends on the situation and the relationship you have with them if they're not your child or in your faith then he only have so much that you can say that you feel comfortable with yep. yeah if they're not of age yeah because and but, you don't have to be any and it doesn't have to be a huge thing no everybody thinks I don't do really huge I can't do big I didn't do a great big thing. I surprised myself that I knew how to build a fire at 18. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of times you're just put in the position and you just, well, I guess I'm doing it. Exactly. <laughs> and then you just don't realize you. And that's pretty much what it was. And that goes on to the next one for Carrie. Thank you for joining us on this enriching journey through the many facets of femininity. As we've explored today, the strength and essence of a woman isn't confined to societal norms or marital status. It's our hope that you're inspired to recognize, celebrate, and cultivate these virtues, not just in yourselves, but in the women around you. Let's create a world where women are celebrated for their depth, wisdom, and character. Until next time, keep the conversation going and remember to live your single life to its fullest.